you just need to have other eyes watching your videos. You can't just be the only one seeing them when you first start out, because you need validation. Y you will love what you make when you first start out. Other people will not. But you will love it. You will think it's the best thing that you've ever done. And the truth is, you, there's a lot of learning to go. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, AKA the funny brown girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Creative Breakthrough. I'm so excited that you guys are all tuning in today. We have a really exciting show today. This week I'm trying something new. I'm going to videotape my opening monologue to post on YouTube. So check it out at youtube.com forward slash funny brown girl. So if you're new to the show, what I usually do is I do a quick five to ten minute introduction where I kind of talk about my life, what I've been doing in the creative space and provide any learnings that I've learned along the way. And then we jump right into the interview. And today we have a really great interview, so stick around. So anyways, like I was saying, usually this is fully an audio um, podcast, which is available on Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, iTunes, all that good stuff. But this opening monologue will now be available on the YouTube channel. I also wanted to try something different. Next week, I'm going to interview the acclaimed author Maza Mengiste, the author of The Shadow King, one of New York Times' 100 notable books of 2019. So if you have any questions that you would like me to ask her when I interview her within the next week, please email me at hi at funnybrowngirl.com. Even if you don't have any questions, feel free to email me anyways. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on what, how the show is going, what you're learning from it, and anything I can do to help you be better in your creative journey. Okay, as we approach January, I mean, we have a couple days left, I was gonna tell you what my goals were gonna be for 2020. As you know, I have been working on trying to figure out what I wanted my goals to be for 2020 through the month of January because I just didn't feel ready enough to set, set goals at the end of 2019. I really just wanted to try some more stuff, so like I've been going to fringe festivals, I've been going to film, um, writing and film meetings, I've been going to just writing meetings, I've been going to poetry slams, I've just been trying a lot of different stuff and I wanted to dive deep more into that and what my goals are and then there's just been so much happening in the news that I wanted to really just talk about what's happening in the news and kind of how that relates to creativity and our journeys in the creative space. Um, some, a couple people um, recently have passed away and they've, it's been both of them have been a shocking death and the first one that I want to talk about is Professor Clayton Christensen. Now, if you're in the business world, you may have read his books or heard about him. Professor Clayton Christensen is a professor at the Harvard Business School. He's also a business consultant. He's a thought leader. Um, he's a social influencer. His books are about disruptive innovation. Um, and definitely, if you are in the business world and you have not checked out Clayton Christensen, I highly suggest you check out his work. Um, super, super um, just really smart guy, ahead of his time, really knew what he was talking about. And I read his books. I've studied him in business school. My sister had the opportunity to take a class with him at Harvard Business School. Um, and just really, I, it's just shocking. He's, he was 67 and he passed away. And 
one of the um, one of the one of the things that he one time had said he had this and I'm going to read you something a message that he had in one of his speeches called how will you measure your life and it really got me thinking and so I'm going to read it to you and then I want to talk to you about like why it got me thinking I came to understand that while many of us might default to measuring our lives by summary statistics such as numbers of people presided over, number of awards, or dollars accumulated in a bank. The only metric that will truly matter to my life are the individuals whom I have been able to help, one by one, to become better people. When I have my interview with God, our conversation will focus on the individuals whose self-esteem I was able to strengthen, whose faith I was able to reinforce, and whose discomfort I was able to assuage. A doer of good, regardless of what assignment I had, these are the metrics that matter in measuring my life. This really hit me hard because I've been so focused on setting goals and talking to you about goals and people have been writing in about their goals. And it's funny because a lot of our goals are measurable, right? And they always say, make your goals measurable. How many clubs are you going to perform in this year? How many states are you going to travel to? How many books are you going to write? Or even how many pages a day are you going to write? And we set these measurable goals because people say that's how you can measure if you're actually being successful. And then you've got someone here like Professor Clayton Christensen who's saying the only metric that really matters is how many people he's been able to help one by one become better people. And that just really got me thinking like that's what I want to do. I want to be inspiring to you all. I want to help you all reach your goals. I want to give you that motivation, that inspiration, those strategies. And that's why I interview all these people across the creative space to give you all that information and that data and that, that research that you may not have, that mentoring. And so that really puts a whole spin again on what my goals are going to be for 2020 because this is what I aspire to. Uh, we also lost a, another amazing person in the last couple of days, and that's Kobe Bryant. And I know that he's not a legend or a hero or an inspiration to everyone. I know he's had his shortcomings, and I do not, um, I'm not saying that I overlook his shortcomings when I say that he is an inspiration, and I want to talk about him on this podcast. But I do understand that he did not live, he did not have the strongest of values. And I can say that he's been working on that since this incident happened in 2003. But I don't want you guys in any way, shape, or form feel like I am about to say what he did was okay by saying the next piece that I'm going to say. But I'm a basketball player. And so as a basketball player, I admired him, not only on the court but off the court because he always brought his A game. He was just so incredible. He, he always strived to be better and better in every game. And every time he messed up, he always tried to come back and say, I can do better. I can be better. And that's what I really loved about Kobe Bryant. And one of the things that he said was, I have self-doubt. I have insecurity. I have fear of failure. I have nights when I show up at the arena and I'm like, my back hurts. My feet hurt. My knees hurt. I don't have it. I just want to chill. We all have self-doubt. You don't deny it, but you also don't capitulate it. You embrace it. And these words are just, these words are for everybody, whether you're an athlete or you're a creative. Like how many times have you felt like you don't want to go to an open mic? You're just so tired or you don't want to open your journal and write, but you do it. You go ahead and you do these things because you're so passionate about what you do and you want to get better and you want to move to the next level and you want to, you want to strive for greatness. And that's what Kobe did. He strived for greatness. Something else that's really inspiring about Kobe was that not only was he amazing on the court, and if you don't know, I mean, he was drafted at the age of 17. He went on to win five NBA championships. He played in, uh, he won four 
four MVP awards in the All-Star Games, two Olympic gold medals. I mean, he's broken multiple records. And then he retired, and he didn't just stop. He didn't just say, okay, I'm retired, and I have all this money. He started investing in media. He started investing in technology, consumer goods. He started making a... He started to... Not even started. He continued to build his global image in China and Europe. I mean, he... Um, he directed a short film that actually won an Oscar. Did you know Kobe Bryant has an Oscar award? Like, he always wanted to be the best. And he actually was quoted saying, the most important thing is to try and inspire people so that they can be great in whatever they want to do. So really similar message to Clayton Christensen. It's all about how do you inspire people. And then he also went on to say this in a different interview. The question needs to be, what is my passion? Not where can I create the most value or generate the most revenue, but what is my next passion? When you can find that next passion, everything else will make sense. Again, it's all about, it's not about for him, I mean, I'm sure during his career, it was like, how many championships can I win? How many records can I break? How many awards can I win? But as he got older in life, and now that he was coaching his daughter's basketball team, he was invested in the WNBA, he was making all these moves you see that he changed as a person. It was all about being inspirational. It was all about making a difference. It was all about leaving a legacy. And that's what he's done. He's left a legacy. And that's what I want us all to aspire to is how do we inspire other people, whether it's through our music, our writing, our comedy, our acting, how do we be more inspiring? And I think that once we figure that piece out and once we realize like this is our passion, it'll all happen and it'll all tie in together. And this has been this has been weighing on me really heavily because this is what I this is I realize like this is what I want to do like this is not this podcast I mean this podcast is what I want to do but like I want to be an inspiration to people I want to leave a lasting mark on people's lives I want people to say that they were able to get X Y or Z or they were able to do X Y or Z because Shireen gave them something to help them along their journey and so that's what I really want to provide for you guys through this podcast. And I really hope that I am doing that. And if there's anything I could be doing better or anything else that I could be providing to you guys to provide that inspiration, to provide that passion, that learning, please email me at hi at funnybrowngirl.com. I would love to hear from you. Okay, I'm going to like stop being emotional because I feel like I'm about to cry and I apologize for that. It's It's just funny how these people come into our lives and they make these differences and you don't even realize the difference they've made until they're gone. And it's just, you just want to say thank you to them for what they did. And you don't get that chance. And so this is to all the people I've lost. Thank you for everything you've taught me along the way. I really appreciate it. And I hope that I can make you proud. Okay, oh my God. The one time I decide to record myself, I start crying. This week we have a really fun interview. We talked to J.P. Lambiase, a fast food junkie craving the cheapest of cuisine with a disregard to fine taste. Born in Seoul, South Korea, he was adopted at six months, shipped to the U.S. in a fragile box, and has spent his life in pursuit of becoming an entertainer. With the help of his significant other, Julia Gulia, they were both able to accomplish their dreams of becoming YouTubers. JP is the co-founder of the popular YouTube channel, Healthy Junk Food, which has over 2.2 million subscribers. Today we learn how to start a successful YouTube channel, If you aspire to be a YouTube personality or just looking to grow your brand and better understand how to be successful on YouTube, this episode is for you. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Welcome to the guest chair, JP. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to be here. 
Well, I'm glad. I have so many questions for you, but the first question I want to start with is, how did your creative journey begin? Well, I would say I started doing videos just for fun, and then I got a camcorder, and that might be dating myself. But yes, <laughs> it was a camcorder. And I just wanted to put some of like these weird ideas I had in my head to life. And then I guess... You know, just doing that for fun, I think, is the most important thing because I was just goofing around without any expectations and kind of just doing really, really what I was passionate about. And how long ago was this? Uh, this was like 2003, like wow, okay. before YouTube. So you were just, you before YouTube, you, you just went and bought a camcorder and you just started filming things. Well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be in like movies since I was four, but my mom was like, you got to become an engineer. Um, uh, you're not gonna, you're, you're not gonna make it, you're gonna be starving. And, you know, sometimes that realization is important in life. But you know, I went on that course of life. And then it kind of let me pursue some of my my dreams along the way. And when you say it allowed you to pursue your dreams, do you mean financially? Yeah, like uh, getting a job as an engineer, being single, uh, I was able to pay off my debt and, um, you know, s spend some of my free time learning some other stuff. You say engineer and single like they're synonymous. <laughs> oh, they're so, are you kidding me? Uh, I know, but it's just funny the way you said it so seamlessly. <laughs> Should I have said like lonely also? <laughs> So I'm curious, how did you make the transitions? Like you were for, I, I stalked you on LinkedIn. So you were a director of a company where you were like the head engineer. How did you make that transition to creative entrepreneur? Um, this is going to be so silly of a story, but I, I ran a division at that company and I, it was self-sufficient at a point because the product line wasn't very complex. So let's just put it this way. I had, the whole division working without any problems. So I was very bored. So during that time, I spent it learning how to do video production and, and using a camera and learning lighting and, and editing. And then when did you make that decision? Like, I know you started making the videos while you were still working. When did you make that decision? Okay, I want to do this full time. Um, well, I mean, I'm very in tune with analytics and tr like how the performance of YouTube goes. And once you hit a certain threshold, you're making enough money where you're like, okay, I'm not making as much as my day job, but like, I, I really don't want to do this anymore. And then you, you just have to, I, I was premature. Let's just put it that way. I shouldn't have quit, but I didn't quit. I said, I'll work part time, but they're so upset at me growing this YouTube channel that they're like, no, you're here for the hours. So you're dead to me. <laughs> so, you know, I was just like, well, I got to do what I love, man. And I got to look out for number one. Um, so I left. I literally was just like, I'm, I'm done then. I'm sorry. Bye. And they didn't care. So that kind of pushed us, you know, being under the gun like that. Uh, it's very nerve wracking. Um, luckily, I have a good support system. You know, I have a lovely fiance. And of course, my mom was like, if you have to move back home, you can. So. so she came around. I never had to move back home. I, we pushed, <laughs> we pushed really hard. Uh, Julia, my second half of the healthy junk food channel spent a lot of time really getting like brand deals, anything sponsored that way we could like, you know, add some additional revenue to what we were making on the channel alone. 
And uh, we just took a month, month for a month. And I said, hey, listen, if we can keep doing this, we, we can still live on our own. <laughs> no, but like, did your mom come around from like, okay, you can do YouTube or is she still like, no, you will be an engineer? Oh, uh, no, no. My, my mom was very supportive about the changes that I made in my life after doing, you know, the traditional go to college for, I went to college for seven years to get a four-year degree. And, um, at that point she just said, I trust you. Hey, it's me, Shreem. Sorry to interrupt. Creative Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. Aw, that's so sweet. I think that's every goal, every every creative entrepreneur's goal for their parents to tell them that they trust them. Yeah, I mean, my my dad's same. Like, they're very traditional people. They're uh, highly in education. Uh, my mom's like a hundred percent liberal. Um, my dad's a conservative, and they got a divorce. You know, I mean, that's what happens. You know, left and right wing. I wouldn't marry somebody that didn't believe my political views. We'd be throwing plates at each other at dinner but um you know politics anyway we're not going to get into that <laughs> yeah I don't think we'll finish in 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so you your YouTube channel shows uh you and, and your fiance Julia um create at-home versions of America's favorite guilty pleasures how did you come about deciding that that was going to be your focus like did you research the market or did you just know that that was something you were interested in Oh, yeah. I mean, like back then when YouTube was young, this was around 2013. So it's still pretty young. Um, I didn't do any, I didn't do anything business oriented for the channel. We didn't create the channel in any aspect whatsoever for business. Uh, We just wanted to memorize the recipes we were making and then watch them back and cook them again because we were trying to cook more at home. And uh, I thought it was cool. And Julia thought it was a good idea that we start making some of our my favorite junk food at home, some of my favorite fast food stuff at home, like uh, Crunchwrap Supremes from Taco Bell, because uh, at that time it wasn't really done because it was so new. So mm-hmm. as far as the research, like there just wasn't a lot of that back then. Right. So you guys just started making the. You guys just doing. We're doing this for fun and putting it up on YouTube. Like at that moment, there was no. I'm going to be a YouTuber because that term probably didn't exist either, right? <laughs> oh, there's definitely YouTubers. Like back then, I would say oh, the really? big ones were like Jenna Marbles, who's still prevalent today, and Good Mythical Morning and all that was still existing back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, now it's 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 way, way more of a thing um, than it was in 2013. But I mean, if you think about it, technology, the cameras everyone's got with their phones, it's making it more accessible for anyone to just grab a phone and, and create a video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do you find it makes it more difficult, even though you have a base built up from 2013? Is it is it getting more challenging for you to keep growing? Uh, yeah, it's always. I think that's the hardest thing in life. Uh, I think someone said it's easy to become successful, but it's very difficult to stay successful. <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> So what is it like? What is it like being a YouTuber? I mean, you see it on TV and in the news, like these young kids are becoming YouTubers and they they sit in front of the camera all day and they promote things like what is it really like to be in the life of like your day? 
I think for uh, the young people becoming YouTubers, it's probably like a, a gift and a curse because they're young. So like they're having fun and they're probably going to do the best at it. I think young people will connect with the young audience watching, but the curse is YouTube pays a lot of money. So these kids are probably getting way too much money at a young age and their parents are like, how the hell did you get that uh, Lamborghini? Um, like I'm just a school teacher and my son's making $2.4 million a year. Um, so that's kind of weird. But as far as my own life goes, it's, uh, and I think this goes for any YouTuber, it's perpetual. It's never ending. It's, uh, that's the, um, the reality is it's, it's a lot of work. It's extremely, it consumes your life. Social media wise, you're constantly looking at your notifications and uh, you got to break away and, you know, take some breaks, uh, but we rarely do. And um, creating a video is like what everyone sees, the fun part, you know. Um, but I guess there's just like a lot of behind the scenes and any YouTuber will tell you, oh, my goodness, they eat, breathe and sleep it. You don't become successful because you just don't care about it or you're indifferent. You know, you like every embodiment of the of what you do matters. Every thumbnail, every title, every tag, it's, it becomes uh, almost anal retentive. It's lovely. <laughs> How long, like you started in 2013, like when did you finally start seeing like momentum and traction? Uh, I'd say for the first year, we just were chilling. The second year, we took it serious, got on a schedule. And then the third year hit 100,000 subscribers. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, so like your, your normal day, so say you're going to put out a video, how long, like what does it look like building up to that? Like. Is it like a set schedule that every day you're working on something new for the video? Uh, no. Basically, we have to produce, figure out what that is, um, and there's, there goes planning behind it. Uh, we did a giant Sour Patch Kid. Uh, the planning behind that was I need to get a 3D printed uh, reverse mold. I was going to make a reverse mold from a 3D printed thing. So we contact our friend. And then we write a script and then we figured, hey, let's make it super creepy conspiracy. <laughs> so then we started looking up all these conspiracies and kind of exaggerating on it because we're comedians. You know, we were very sarcastic. So we just um, we shot it in bits. We would do part of the recipe and then go out and interview people. We actually went to Point Orlando, interviewed a bunch of people to see them taste a Sour Patch Kid from the movie theater versus 7-Eleven or Publix. And uh, the movie theater, believe it or not, are significantly better, unequivocally, blindfolded, whatever. You can tell the difference. And everyone was freaking out, including Ken Miller, name drop. <laughs> oh, my God. He's going to get so excited. <laughs> That's so funny. So it, take, it doesn't take just a few days. It's, there's a long process into putting up a video. That's seven minutes or five, seven minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, it all depends if the recipe is super difficult, that'll take up most of the time. If the recipe is simple, but we want to kind of elaborate on the video itself and the concept, then you're going to be doing a lot of storyboarding and kind of piecing it all together. But there's a low maintenance aspect to YouTube, the daily bloggers. They probably have an editor uh, overseas. I heard that's what they do. Uh, so they film their whole day and then they send it to somebody where the time is, I think, 
ahead for the next day. So they'll edit it while the person sleeps. And when they wake up, they have a video uploaded. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I never even thought about that. Yeah, it's a way to utilize 24 hours efficiently, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So do you guys edit your own videos? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've been editing um, before starting YouTube, so I kind of liked it. And that's one of the major tasks that a lot of my friends that want to do YouTube don't realize as part of the job is the edit part. Oh, yeah, I can imagine because you guys do a lot of like cut back. I don't know the terminology, but like flashbacks and like bringing in things and animations and all that stuff. So that yeah. must take a long time. Yeah, yeah. And also just kind of uh, creating the mood of the video uh, comes from the edit, the music mm -hmm. used and the pacing. So how is it working with your fiance, like being in a business and a relationship with the same person? Uh, we've been through everything together, uh, moving in when we first kind of met, moving together, working together. And uh, I think you develop a, a really strong relationship. Uh, and I don't know, because I haven't been in a relationship with anyone else uh, <laughs> with her. You know what I mean? Like, maybe when I was younger, I was stupid. And, you know, but now, like, being in a relationship with her, if I ever were to be in another one, uh, just the way you respect each other is extremely important. And the way you respect each other's opinions and work and giving each other that time is the key to, I think, a happy relationship for sure. Yeah, because you guys have really good online chemistry, like when you're in your in the films together. So I, I, is there a lot of background, though, like in terms of like, how do you guys come? How do you guys agree on the topic or like how you want to pitch it or how you want to act it out? Is there any like? Um, no, we're, I think for the most part, we uh, we both like when a, when an idea is really good, we're both about it. Um, if, I, if we disagree, I'll be like, yeah, you take the reins on it. It's your passion. And then that's it. It's, it's squash. It's that easy. You know, if it's something you want to do and I don't, then you do it. And she'll take the lead. <laughs> Vice versa. If it's something I really want to do, that's why I have my segment where I make weird stuff while Julie doesn't approve. It's basically yeah. her literally saying, listen, I don't approve, but I'll help you. I'll film it and I'll be there by your side. <laughs> <laughs> so I did see that, that you had your own channel and then you also just launched another channel on travel. Is that, do you suggest that YouTubers have multiple channels? Uh, when, when you reach like a couple, like a million, I would say get another channel. I think some people uh, have channels too early because they want to divide their content and that's a horrible idea. And I learned that out the hard way. Uh, just too much for one person to manage. <clears throat> I don't even think having two channels is that good of an idea, but <clears throat> what it did was really burnt me out when we did it because I'm like, oh, the work is doubled now. Um, <laughs> but it's an easy way for you to have crossover. You know, you can hit, uh, I'd say, 10% of your audience coming over, which is pretty strong um, to any new channel. And uh, if you have something that's really, really different, it's important. And we, our channel is called JP and Julia because we should have titled Healthy Junk Food that, but we made the decision to call it Healthy Junk Food. But branding your name is the most effective strategy on YouTube, and that's what a lot of YouTubers do. Oh, so like you, when you say branding your name, like using your real names is important? Yes, yeah, the channel name. 
Got it. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be your real name. It just has to be like your identity, mm-hmm. such as like uh, JP and Julia, or like if your name was, uh, I think, Jeffrey Star. I mean, that's not his real name, but like he goes by Jeffrey Star. So you think there's a there's a difference between people wanting to uh, that connect more with using the channel name as a person's name than using a brand name like Healthy Nation? Yeah, you just have to have a, a different focus for your channel, though. It's got to be personality driven. Got it. So you can't call your channel um, Jack Smith and then have be like all a mishmash of different people trying exotic fruit because you're like, well, who the hell is Jack Smith and well, who are these guys <laughs> eating this fruit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Because I would have thought like healthy junk food is such a good branding name just because it tells you right away what you're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, I think if uh, we were if like, a, it was like a sub category of our business, then I think it'd be good. Like fine brothers entertainment has a subcategory called kids react. And it's where like people react to little kids react to like viral videos. So um, in that sense, yes. But I understand what you're saying. Again, it all has to do with your focus. If your focus is keto diet, you're not going to name your channel necessarily your name. You might be like keto Shireen or something. I don't know. <laughs> keto Kassam. Is that how you say it? Yep. KK. Not that I would ever do keto diet, but sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so in that sense, your channel name would want to be that. That way people would be like, oh, keto. But you know what? At, at this day and age, no one, I don't know if people really look at the channel name at first. They're like looking for the video. And then if they like that video, then they look at the channel name. You know, and th- at that point, they might look at the channel name and be like, oh, Shireen Kassam. I like her. I like her keto videos. I'm going to subscribe to her. But, not, but your channel isn't called Keto with Kassam. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the name matters that much, to be honest with you. Even if you did have, like, you know, a, a, a focused item that you want to talk about, I don't think that the name matters. They're going to find the video, and then they're going to see the, the name of the channel, if they mm-hmm. like you. So what other learnings have you discovered along the journey that have been super useful? with oh my goodness that's such a broad question (laughs) well so let's say like there's a someone who's aspiring to be a youtuber they've already started making videos but they just can't seem to get over that hurdle what would you suggest um well someone needs to come in the doors like a gordon ramsay of youtube and just kind of do a breakdown analysis of their entire channel and be like what do your thumbnails look like? What do your titles look like? What do your tags look like? What are your ideas? Are your videos good? Um, you know, just go through all that. And you need to have at least that to stand a chance. Good thumbnails, good titles, good videos. Sounds sounds uh, difficult, it is. Um, the <laughs> video part is where you just need to have other eyes watching your videos. You can't just be the only one seeing them when you first start out because you need validation. You you will love what you make when you first start out. Other people will not, but you will love it. You will think it's the best thing that you've ever done. And the truth is there's a lot of learning to go because I thought that 
I was like, this video is awesome. Four years ago, I looked, I looked back at that video, and I'm like, oh, that is, that's the worst video. I don't know how I made that. So it's all about just getting better and um, sticking to a schedule once a week. That way you are working for a purpose and you don't flake off because then when your audience expects a video every week at the same time and the same day, you feel obligated to deliver that. And that's good conditioning to and a discipline for you to continue to keep creating videos. Yeah, that's super important. I think even in podcasting, it's the, the content needs to be consistent. Oh, extremely. The, the minute you lose that consistency, that's the same thing happens to your audience. It becomes inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, um, like you were talking earlier about how it's super important to know your titles and your tags and your thumbnails. Did you take a class on that or did you just learn that by watching others? Yeah, I just learned, I learned everything through the internet or just watching or because my thumbnails were really bad when I first started too. They just kind of slowly got a little better. Um, uh, but yeah, like, you know, every year different things start trending as far as even the style of thumbnails drawn out. So you got to keep up with that too. Like for a while, people were branding their thumbnails and then I don't see that as much. And for a while people had obnoxious borders around their thumbnails. I don't <laughs> see that as much bright yellow colors. Now I see more like, like arty artsy type thumbnails stuff that like is, you don't need a lot of words. You just have like something really popping, but yeah, it's a, it's an art form. You just got to figure out what makes people want to click. Mm-hmm. What other social media channels do you guys uh, favor or heavily use then to promote your YouTube channel? Or not even social media, I guess. How do you get the word out to new listeners or new viewers? Uh, when you're on YouTube, it's primarily through YouTube because people don't cross jump. Got it. You can like promote on any other channel, but what a lot of big businesses are doing is they're creating those, second, those other social medias as its own life form. You know, it's not an advertisement to go to my website or my YouTube channel. It's just like for Instagram, it's just beautiful food. Uh, for Facebook, it's its own short format, three minute long food videos with subtitles. And uh, for Twitter, it's interactive stuff. Mm-hmm. But not, uh, not, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, we dropped a new video, come over to YouTube and smack a like and a comment. Cause you know, people are like, I want, I'm on Twitter. <laughs> like I'm hanging yeah. out here. Thank you. Right. Like when I, when I decide to watch YouTube later, maybe your notification will remind me again. But for That's now funny. I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. So do you, even though you, so YouTube will monetize your content and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Instagram or Facebook monetize, correct? So is it still worth cross-promoting or not cross-promoting, promoting on the other channels? Promoting what? Your content. So like putting up snippets and stuff on other channels. Yeah, no, you, you, you should totally do that too. Um, I'm just saying like the, uh, as a whole, you should still cre- like have it be its own thing with, you know, periodically you can be like, if you want to see more, click here type of thing. 
So you can definitely promote on Facebook and Instagram. And Facebook monetizes now. Um, it's just a it's just a rigorous process, and uh, you have to um, have over three minute long video that's watched for the, uh, the monetization. So you can't oh. have short videos. Okay. And, three minutes is a long time. And to get paid, they have to like watch X amount of it, and I think they okay. have to actually hit like get to the point where the ad pops up. Uh, yeah, you're right. I have seen these. They're so annoying. They are, yeah, yeah. That's how they make, yeah, and that's how they make their money. Um, you're watching like a stand-up set, and all of a sudden, <laughs> there's like a pause in the middle of the joke, and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> that's bad. I mean, like, I think you can tell when to do it too. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, I know a lot of them are like pretty solid cliffhangers when the ad comes in. I could, I could see that. I now that I'm thinking back, I have a feeling that they must be placing it right before the punchline. Yeah, yeah, which kind of ruins comedy, but, I mean, if it was, like, a, a little baby about to, like, get a piece of American cheese thrown on its head or something, you know, <laughs> you could probably just pause it mid-throw and be like, ah! <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, the different social medias are, they're all, like, becoming their own thing now, and to, to do really well at them, you you have to be about them and we're not really we're like youtube's our big baby so we do promote on our instagram and facebook and it does look sloppy because of that you know so what advice do you have for other creatives on their journey whether they're youtubers stand-up comedians uh they want to be film actors like what advice would you have for them um, I would say just don't have expectations and kind of find that thing in life that really pushes you to, to be creative because it's all about letting the uh, ideas come and not forcing them. So if you're like in a situation where it's hard for you to think and be creative, find that place that, that allows you to feel that way and you'll come up with some great ideas and with great ideas and hard work you're going to be successful because let's let's face it great ideas are great for a reason people, <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like an invention and an invention could be a joke an invention could be a recipe an invention could be just an invention <laughs> like, like a bottle opener but i mean yeah and uh to be and, and don't be afraid to to give your body a break too. Don't don't think that you just gotta grind hard like you're the next Marshall Mathers, you know, just or the next Robin Williams. Just just be you and keep doing. Yeah, you made a really good point before we started recording. You said uh, work smart, not hard, because you don't want to burn yourself out, which I think is great for any creative to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 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 that was beautifully said off, <laughs> off the record. Yes, you did a really good job saying it, and I, I crushed your spirits, and I was like, ah, we're not recording yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's jump into the lightning round real quick. Lightning round, I'm going to ask you five questions, rapid fire, and you just answer with the first thing you can think of. Okay. So question one, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, 
finish your breakfast? <laughs> Question two. What is your definition of success? Being happy. Who inspires you and why? Jim Carrey. He's the best thing ever. What's a habit that's helped you on your journey? Um, being over-obsessive. What do you want your legacy to be? A uh, little JP. <laughs> that's cute. Hey, JP, where can our listeners find you online? They can find us at healthyjunkfood.com. That's H-E-L-L-T-H-Y, junk food, all one word. That's your website. You can pretty much find everything there. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This was super insightful and very, uh, I, I mean, I'm not a YouTuber, but I totally learned so much that I didn't even consider you need to know to become a YouTuber. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's a fun journey. Well, listeners, take a look at their videos. The chicken nugget one was one of my favorites. I remember watching that. I don't remember when it came out, but that's how I got hooked on their channel. So start with that one and then keep watching because not only do they make you hungry, they're just, they're fun and exciting. So great job, JP. Thanks. Thanks so much. Wow. So much great content there. Key takeaways from JP. One, do it for fun without any expectations. Two, if you're bored at work, use your time wisely and learn new skills. Three, have a strong support system. Four, it's easy to become successful. It's difficult to stay successful. Five, every aspect of the video matters from the title to the thumbnails. Six, keep up with trends in your industry. And seven, work smart, not hard, because you don't want to burn yourself out. Now, there you have it, y'all. Now go out there and flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm funnybrowngirl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.